Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast, our first of 2021. My name is Roy Shanahan and as always I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. Now, we've plenty to talk about with the Premier Division fixtures being released, plenty of transfers being made over the course of the, the whole Christmas and into January. And of course, the First Division again taking no shape as their fixtures are set to be announced in the coming week. We'll start with the release of the Premier League fixtures. And Nathan, it's always exciting to see who your club will start or finish the season with. And of course, those local derbies. So who stood out for you? Yeah, look at um, it's what I say the season, you know, even if you're not too happy with your side uh, business in the off-season, there's always a sort of a feel of so eagerness and so hope. You never know what, what you could do with the season when we push on. Now, obviously, the one, the big one that stood out for me was the Shamrock Rovers and St. Pat's on the open day of the season. Like, that's a cracking way to start, isn't it? Uh, a Dublin Derby, last year's champions in St. Pat's was a set of sides that underwhelmed last year, underwhelmed, and I think the, the expectation going into the season uh, for St. Pat's is, is probably another underwhelmed season. Looking at maybe fifth or sixth. But look, who knows? Impossible to get a decent result uh, opening day of the season against Shamrock Rovers. They hit ground running. All of a sudden, a good field factor comes around and who knows? And that's what I mean. That everyone's eager, everyone's anticipated. Everyone is just, who knows what can happen uh, on, on the opening weekend of the season. So, I think it could be a big one for Pat to get, uh, hit the ground running, but look, it's one of them. It's a shame, obviously, that there'd be no fans allowed in for that one because oh, sorry, I would have been there myself and that would have been a cracking game to be at to get things done. When you look at St. Pat's first few fixtures, obviously because you're a St. Pat's fan, Shamrock Rovers uh, away, uh, they've got Drotted at home, then they've got Bowes, Derry and Dundalk in a row. So a tricky start for them. It is a tricky start, yeah. Now, in fairness, I... Um, even when the fifth came out, people text me saying, "Oh, the tough start for Pat." I think it's always going to be a tough in a ten-team league. Like you're never going to get a real uh, run of winnable games. But yeah, look, especially if you look at the away games, like you said, Shamrock Rovers, Bohemians, and then Dundalk. That's three nightmare away games that nobody wants to be having uh, back to back to back. Like a lot of people will have them three teams as their possible top three this season. Now it's very early days to say, but just on paper, you'd look at Shamrock Rovers, Dundalk and Bohemians and you'd imagine they'll be up there, but he's certainly there and thereabouts. So, for it's impactful that it's, at the moment, the squad is looking a bit thin. They got, oh, they got a new goalkeeper in this morning, uh, the guy from Liverpool, but it's like that. You never know how something like that could work out. So, it's like, one or two ways, you know, like if you take up some good results there, as I said, a good feel could be coming around the club uh, if you hit the ground running. But yeah, it's the tough games, and if, if you start to, to drop points uh, from early doors, it's going to be a bit of a slug of season, I think. Shamrock Rovers start, obviously, you said St. Pat's. They have Derry away and then Dundalk at home. And of course, Sligo Rovers away then in the next game. And Sligo's, as we will go on to now in a second, but Sligo have uh, added uh, quite a few players to their team. So, again, Rovers, with some of the players that they're missing, uh, which we might highlight later, it mightn't be as easy as, as, as going through the motions like they did last year. No, I don't think so. And I think um, any 
Shamrock Rovers fan, anyone involved with the club would be sort of feeling themselves a little bit if they think it's going to be a walk in the park. As you said, a lot of players, uh, including Sligo Rovers, that are going to be in and around the top four, they've all improved and they've all, they've all added very well to their squad. Yeah, like you said, we'll move on to transfers in a while, but I have been very impressed with Sligo Rovers, not only what he's done on the field, but off the field in the, in the off-season too. And it's, yeah, that's another one they're playing um, they're playing to some of the top stories early on. That's another one. It's Sligo can pick up some points uh, out from early doors. They, they'd be very well up there and they'd be certainly looking at gaining some European football. But yeah, like Shamrock Rovers, how are they going to cope? There's a big one without Jack Bourne. So they will. They'll be, they'll be looking for the likes of Manjou who'll be signed to come in and set a benchmark and really position themselves as probably the replacement for Jack Bourne. So if, if they can go in early and start dropping points, all of a sudden, you know, they'd be, they'd be expecting to, to win the league once again, but you start dropping points early, it's going to be tough to do because I think Bohemians will be in for a real shout this season and who knows with Dundalk, he's brought a lot of guys in from outside of Ireland and if they can kick on, it's just that's a decent Dundalk side too. Yeah, and with Shamrock Rovers playing Bowes on the second last game of the season, it'd be interesting to see if both are in touch and distance of each other, that'd be a cracker to see. Um, yes, yeah, Ligo start off with Dundalk at home, as you said, it's a little, it's a little bit of a difference, Sligo, and their form picked up last year. So the 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 bit of red are going to be looking forward to this season. I think they are. I think they are. Like I just we talked about a couple of times uh, on the fourth season of this podcast, if you will. Obviously, I'm, I'm living down in Sligo myself, and you can feel it. There's a good, there's a positive energy around the place. I'm looking forward to the season where they didn't really have that last year. Obviously, looking forward to it as a fan, but now they're looking forward to it, they're eager. They said they're excited for what's going to come. Of your, the return of European football after many years in Sligo is coming this year and they, they are looking forward to it and there's good expectation around the place too I have to say because they've signed really well and they've kept a hold of some key players too which is very important like the Ed McGinty John Matten Niall Morhan David Cordy is always a, a solid guy down here and look these lost someone like Donald Cochlin but I think they've replaced them well they bought in uh, uh, Romeo Park the return uh, Walter Figueroa is coming in so there is a really good feel around Sligo Rovers and a lot of people are tipping them for European football once again and really wouldn't put a pass them because they've got a good mix. They've got some good, very young, talented players and obviously, like I said, experienced guys like David Corley and Greg Balls are coming in. There seems to be a good mix around the place now and it seems to be something that Liam Buckley is finally starting to, to get the team that he really wants at Sligo. So I'm excited, I have to say. I'm excited just obviously this is a fan of the league to see how they can get on but yeah, it's definitely, um, definitely a good, very good factor around the uh, Sligo Town at the moment. When Finn Harps look at their fixtures, they start off at home against Bowes and away against Dundalk. But maybe the fixtures after that, Drogheda away, Waterford at home, Sligo away, Longford away, uh, St. Pat's at home. They may be the games, the five games there that they'd be looking to, well, you know, at least pick up maybe nine points out of those games. Uh, because after that then it just gets a, a little bit harder so what are they going to have to do this year they, they're going to have to you know make themselves really difficult away from home because they, they do they do take a lot of beating up there yeah they do, they do. like you said look and any relegation side like if they go and get beaten by Shamrock Rovers I'm not saying it doesn't matter but it's really expected to happen but as you said look like the likes of Longford uh, Waterford maybe Pats got it they're the teams that they're going to be really, really need to be taking points off if you have any chance of staying up. We don't know about you, mate, but I think it's a, it's a, 
at the moment, like it's gone really fast. It's unpredictable this season. There's a bit of an unpredictability around it. We're coming back into a full fixture list where obviously no fans for the foreseeable future. Where you can like usually you can take a little bit of a stab at the football is so unpredictable, they're never gonna be able to fully predict what's gonna happen. But you can normally take a bit of a stab at who's gonna be down in like in the bottom two, who's gonna be up towards the top. Like last season before teams even started, you had a failing Cork City which struggled. Finn has to be down there. But this season, I don't know, I have to say, like I know the closer to the time I'm gonna have like a top not a proper preview up on the website. But it's gonna be a bit tough this year, I think. I don't know about you, but I'm struggling to see that uh, a clear favour who might go down because if a lot of sides down there, your Finn Harps, your Longford, probably be played by Waterford at the moment, have improved and he have strengthened very well. So it's going to be a key one for Finn Harps to win these games. And as we always say, Valley Buffet, it's, it's usually a tough place to go. The home record wasn't great last season. So they definitely need to improve on that and make, uh, make uh, Finn Parks a real fortress because... It can be a tough place to go, you know, it's a long distance for a lot of clubs and the weather is usually uh, never never on your side. So I think that's key for, for like Finn Harris if you have a chance of staying up again this season. There's been a lot of transfer activity since the end of 2020 season. Who do you feel, Nathan, has done the best bit of business in the off-season so far? Do you know what? I think if for that question, I, I have to look down to the fourth division. I really do. I think Galway United have strengthened well. I'm interested to see how they get on uh, the first full season with John Caulfield at the helm. Obviously, a very experienced manager that's, that's been to the pinnacle of uh, Irish domestic football. Uh, Shelbourne again, brought in some big names like Yo-Yo Maddie, Brendan Clark, Ali Gilchrist, just to name a few, but much more. They signed Gerardo uh, Bruna today of Derry City. If they can keep him fit, that's a good signing. For me, uh, the big one is Athlone. I know I've done an article on Athlone uh, a couple of weeks ago now. And they're just really impressed with, with the dealings that he's done. Like nobody coming into this season before, before any moves were made would have fancied that loan to, to push for a playoff position. You know, they've been struggling for the past number of years now, usually down in the bottom tier with the first division. But look, they, they, they've improved and they've improved in areas that he really needed. Like they, they've, they've had the worst uh, defensive record of the season last year when he brought in the Michael, uh, Michael Stinneman, Killian Cantwell of Ray Wanderers. Brilliant point, in my opinion. Cantwell always impresses down uh, with Bray Wandsworth for the past uh, two years that he's been there. Still in hand off Longford, another good signing. They've also improved going forward. Been the likes of Cody Bourne, Shane Barnes, uh, James Dune, who was seen playing for Pat. Never really got going at Pat, but talent is there. So, yeah, for me, I think that as long as the big one, as long as the one that have certainly uh, brought in a, a lot of bodies, but it's, it's, it's not only being a uh, quantity, they've brought in a lot of quality. And for me, I think he could be probably not a dark horse now. A lot of people will find him to definitely do better than what he's done last season. But I think with the, with the clubs have that they have brought in, it's, he could be a real, real uh, playoff contender, in my opinion, this season. Just a shame they couldn't hold on to Ronan Manning. Ronan Manning was the one showing the light last year uh, for Atlanta. So he, he ended up going to Galway. I think if he held on to Manning, that would have been a, a massive, um, massive pain for him. But now definitely at have, have signed really, really well and I'm interested to see how they do. Yeah, the first division is looking quite exciting this year and it'll be very interesting to see who actually puts their foot down and, and, and really takes a hold of the league this year because it didn't happen last year. There seemed to be a very even sort of league and which was great for everyone to see but um, we'll, we'll touch on that now a little bit later on. When you look at Bowes, Nathan, and you see the players that have left them, Danny Mandrew, Danny Grant... 
Andre Wright, Dan Casey, uh, and there's a whole load of others, uh, Evan Ferguson, Dinny Cochran. Are they, have they got the players in that can reproduce what they reproduced last year with those players? Going forward, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure because uh, Danny Grant and Andre Roy were, were two key figures last season. They were both goals at Bohemians last year. Now, they brought in Georgia Kelly. Um, again, at St. Pat's, never really have gone at his short loan spell. Uh, Stephen Mallon, who showed it um, for spells last year with Derry City, he, he went back to Sheffield United. He's now come in. Um, back then, Harry. We've seen him before in, in the league and he, he's impressed in sales, but again, it's can he do it on a basis? And I don't know, I'm not sure because the two guys, we said Grant and Roy, really impressed last season, especially in my opinion, Danny Grant, and he well deserved that move to Huddersfield Town. But yeah, I'm not sure they're going to have to, um, the guys that I mentioned there, the stories like particularly Georgie Kelly, just had a poor spell that's really underwhelming, and he, he needs to get a couple of goals there to boost that confidence because by the time. He's time a path came to an end. I've seen him the last couple of games of the season, and it's just you could see the sort of head was down. There was just clear chances he was missing, and it's a shame to see because I like Kelly. I think he's a very, very good player. You can see why he wants to move for some draws. He wants to get that game time which he deserves. So I think it's it'd be vital for him to hit the ground running because they are going to miss uh, Andre Roy and, and Danny Grant because they have to, not even a goal, but quickly just empty goals for and the physicality even, especially you know talk about Roy. It's going to be missed this season. It really is. And it's always a risk when you get rid of your two key players and you're bringing in other guys. And you really need to get off because um, it can be a big season for, for Bohemians. Because again, Bohemians are coming into the season with a lot of good uh, positive ends around and a lot, a lot of good things going for the club. So I think you need to start now where you know, we're back, back to the day. It's, yeah, it's very important that like, the likes of Kenny do get off to a good start because. Yes, yeah, did you really miss the ball for two guys well, last season? When you look at Sligo Rovers, we've talked about a few players, but the likes of Greg Bulger and uh, Walter Fergera, who you know, I rant and rave about because I, I just think he's a really, really quality player. And if someone can get the absolute best out of him, uh, it could be good enough to be you know, the best player in the league, in my opinion. But how, how have they done their business? And, and are you expecting them to, to challenge this year? Probably not challenged, no. I don't, I don't think to be challenged for the league this year, but I think the yeah, European football is definitely in the past. Like I said, um, said a few minutes ago, the, the, the thing more importantly for me is some of the guys that they kept a hold of. You know, they've got a lot of good young players that there was probably interest from not only other League of Ireland clubs, but clubs um, across the water, which will never be grudge any, any players going over to Scotland or England. But yeah, it's nice to see that we're able to keep a hold of them, even if they only is for another year. But yeah, it's key for me if they can keep uh, Greg Bolger injury free. He obviously struggled, struggled with injuries last season. That'd be really important for them. You know, like that's a guy that again has been to the top of the, the top of the mountain in Irish football. So I think he can keep him fit. That's one thing I think that Sligo sort of missed last year. The times I watched him playing, I thought that midfield was paper thin. Like I will see more. Just never really commanded himself. So I think you have Greg Bolger. I'm not a massive fan of David Corley, but a lot of people in Sligo are highly rating, so that's okay, fair enough. So I think if you have, all of a sudden, you have Greg Bulger and David Corley in the midfield, there are always seems to be more present in the midfield compared to last season, which would be key for them now. Um, you know. Drogheda United obviously made the 
their way up into the Premier Division this year. They've been very interesting in the transfer market. Daryl Markey from Pats, Dane Massey, obviously Dini Corkin we uh, alluded to, Gary Deegan uh, and, and a few more. How do you rate their chances this year? Is this one of the reasons why you're just not too sure now? Normally you have a look at who's come, who's come up, but they've strengthened fairly well. Yeah, we have. We have. Um, obviously, like you said, you look at the likes of uh, Drotter and Longford coming up and you get soon, we just think, ah, well, they're going to be down and down the bottom. But similar to Shelbourne, I know it didn't go well for the end, for Shelbourne the end, but similar to Shelbourne last season, Drotter on paper have brought in the right, the right players. They brought in a lot of quality um, and they've greatly improved the squad. I think Gary Davies is a brilliant player. Um, now a lot of Shelburne fans didn't really seem to mind him going, but for me, I thought he was a good commanding presence in the midfield. And once he can keep himself um, fit, and once he can keep himself not suspended, I think he's a very important player to have. And as you said, Darren Markey, I've seen my pass now for a long time, and well, well, you could, you could sort of question like his consistency, maybe is the word you could say. Where like he's always he's always seemed to have this great presence about him. You always thought said, yeah, this guy is going to be a cracking player. This guy is going to be a cracking player. I just don't think a pass ever really reached the heights a lot of people thought he would. He said included. But look, he could still go to draw there and he could do, he could do brilliant things because on his day, he's a footballer and the creativity that he brings is brilliant. And he's, he doesn't have a, he's not a flip most goal, but he does have a decent eye for goal and he, he will he will be a good addition to that And I think Jordan will be okay this season. I do. I, do, I think they'll be all right. I, I would obviously, like I think I said that with Shelbourne as well. But yeah, I wouldn't be too worried if I was a Jota fan. You know, I wouldn't be um, biting my fingernails just yet. And what about Longford Town? Brought in the likes of Aaron Dobbs and Aaron Bulger, uh, to name a couple. Have they strengthened sufficiently enough, or are they on a good level already that they, even if they didn't sign a couple, that they would put up uh, a fight this year? Yeah, look, these are another another couple that you just. I just don't know. Like it's um, that guy, yeah, uh, last year was the one on top of my head. He's one of the best players in both leagues, in my opinion, last season. Now, um, like Aaron Dobbs, I've seen him play a couple of times now. I uh, think that Shamrock Rovers and Shelbourne, he's a decent player. Um, Alan Bolger, who I'm a massive fan of, I have to say, uh, really impressed me anytime I've seen him play. He's, um, he's a good player, but yeah, it's it's still a pretty young squad, I think, isn't it? Overall, so I think it's it'd be interesting how they get on. Like some of the guys, like even Aaron Dobbs and Bolger, they're not like physically the, the biggest lads in the world. So yeah, I'm not sure with, with Longford again. Like so unpredictable at the moment this season. Like there's still there's still some time to bring guys in, but yeah, I, I think if you look at compare like the business of Longford Town and the business of Drogheda. I'd have to say Drogheda's done the better business so far, but. Yeah, it, it, it depends how they, how they get on, you know, like like I said, like I like Darren Dodd, but he still hasn't really done it that much, you know, like he was at Shelbourne last season and he didn't know, like he didn't get much, he didn't really impress that much, he, like he didn't, like, didn't get an awful lot of game time when he did, he didn't really make a lot of headlines, so I think the jury's still out on long for this moment, especially with the guys that he signed, like Bolger went over the card of City and done well, but Again, he sort of came back and he was at Shamrock Rovers 2 last season. He only sort of got Cone in the season end. So, yeah, I think the door will definitely be out on Longford. And I think out of the two sides that came, it'll both uh, draw it out on Longford. Longford will be the one that you might think could struggle a little bit. 
I've been creeping down there, down there the relegation zone this season. As you said, there's absolutely no guarantees whatsoever. It'll be very, very close. In, in, in a 10-team league, you could be anywhere from mid-table to to the to the bottom of the league and that can change in absolutely no time. One team I would have concern about is Derry City. I'm not too sure, Nathan, with the players that they're 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 letting go, that they're gonna improve on last year. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um themselves we said a couple of times last season themselves and St. Pat's were a few uh, probably the few more underwhelming sides in the Premier Division last year. And yeah, the Derry be the ones for me that I like Derry City. I think they have a lot going. You know, like Declan Devine and his guys, a good manager, and the cracking setup up there. But he's just he's collected all bit of some some key players. Like you said, Figueroa uh, went to Sligo, um, Riona today went to Shares, Conor McCormick gone, uh, Conor Clifford as well. Actually, that's another one you didn't forget about what happened that, that long ago. He's gone to where he won was. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think if I was a Derry City fan, I wouldn't be all overly excited about this season. Look, David Park, who came back in, he had a successful spell um, first time around. But yeah, look, the two guys you bought, Danny Lafferty as well. Would you really still be up for confidence? Would, like, would you be happy if, if that was the only business they'd done this season as a Daily City fan? I wouldn't be. I really wouldn't. And yeah, I wouldn't say the expectations are too high around Derry, to be honest with you. Now, St. Pat's, as you mentioned there, I was just thinking when you were talking about Darren Markey, is it a problem with St. Pat's that there's never sort of uh, an evolution process that goes on within the club that you look at Shamrock Rovers and they've kept faith in a manager for about four years now. They did the same up in Dundalk and there seems to be a managerial merry-go-round at Pat's all the time. There always seems to be someone new. How, uh, must be hard to get consistency uh, from a team if you're chopping and changing your style and how you play and you know maybe you're in favour if you're a player who's there you're in favour with one manager then another manager comes in you're not and it's hard to pick up your your, your game yeah well definitely well definitely um, we had that consistency on the lane Buckley and things sort of got a bit stale I think a lot of people agree that when Buckley did leave that was, that was the perfect time um, probably not midway through the season the way he done but I thought he would have held on to the end of the season but you know what I mean I think the time frame made sense it, it needs a freshen up but, but yeah I, I agree I, I don't like this, the, the revolving door system at any club and it, it's been that way I passed now for, went through uh, Harry Kenny and now they have Steve O'Donnell um, um, in a short amount of time and too fast for managers you know like Harry Kenny was sort of criticised in the way for wasn't the most glamorous uh, football to watch and now well, you can see what Stephen O'Donnell is trying to do. You can you sort of can see in ways that he's trying to play nice football. He's trying to he's trying to bring sort of a band of football that the past fans are used to under Buckley. He's trying to sort of bring that back, but he's on the spin on it. But it's just I think a lot of people and myself included last year. I've said it a few times in the show here. It's just he sort of were frustrated with the inconsistent, uh, inconsistent lineup, inconsistent tactics, inconsistent team, and. Like I said, it's hard enough when you're changing managers to get that consistency. When you have a manager in that's not the club over a year now, and you still can't be able to tell what's his best starting eleven, you still can't be able to tell what 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 tactic he's going with. I could still couldn't even tell you what the vision is for Stephen O'Donnell going into this season, which is which is really enough. Now we've been there long enough. Now I know in the League of Ireland it's always tough to um, players chop and change that much. It is hard to to, to get that consistency in him, but. 
like when you see him on Liam Buckley's day, he kept the nucleus of the squad. There was always guys that you knew were going to stay around. And that's always going to be difficult to do when you're chopping change the manager. And even as you said about like the evolution of the club, I always say that though, Pat, when you see some of the younger lads coming up from the underage system to the, the senior squad, I just don't think we ever physically develop enough. I think, like, I think that, let's say, example, Gary Mark is another, another good example. Like, you understand the only bloody kids when they, when they come up and they're not going to be coming up, you know, <laughs> and Jack McGill. But, and you never want that in a footballer either, but they never seem to really do broad up a little bit. They never seem to get bigger. They never seem to be able to keep up with the physical demands of the Premier Division. I think, like you say, like Darren Mark, you don't have to hop in your head. Uh, Jack Bailey is another one that he's here for years, so he's just sort of there by the wayside. Uh, don't be picked on any lads, but these are just guys that came to be here straight away. And when you mentioned the word evolution, that's that what came to me uh, for St. Pat's. It's just the lack of physical evolution of the lads making the steps up from the underage squad to the senior squad. And it's something I'd like to see, see improved at the squad. I, I thought maybe Stephen O'Donnell would bring that in, look, we've seen uh, the strength and conditioning that went on at, uh, at Dundalk, it's fantastic, you know. Like they even took guys from Pat, like Sean Hall, for example, left Pat, and you know, he's a big enough lad, he's just naturally big, but now he's at the turn into a beast of a defender. And to think that the credit to do the strength and condition that goes on at Dundalk, so that'll be a big thing I'll just see improved over the, the next next year, whenever, however long, uh, Stephen Thorne stays at the club. And how, how, do you, how do you feel about the players that have come in and some of the players that have left? But especially the players who have come in, because these players are are coming in to make a difference and to to, to change how Dundalk or St. Pat's uh, play this year. Yeah, look, I'm I'm happy with John Mountney. I think Mountney's a good player. I, I've always thought he's clearly underrated, and I think same with George Kelly. Like he wants to leave Dundalk and get get some regular game time because he would. He'd get regular game time in a lot of sides in the Premier Division. Uh, Matty Smith is another one that seems to be exciting uh, St. Pat's fans that can't get a lot of them last year but any of any, my all mates that talk about Pat's fans are very excited <laughs> uh, Ronan Coughlin wouldn't excite me I, I have to be honest I've seen him enough now that's like I've ever um, to know he's just like we got rid of Jordan Gibson Jordan Gibson went to Sligo and we got Ronan Coughlin in it, you might, like, that might as well not happen it's both very similar they're both you know they're, they're war horses and you have to give them credit like that. You, like, so, uh, Jordan Gibson and Ronan Coughlin, you will you give it 100%. There's no doubt in that. But the end product by both guys is, is poor at best. Like, Ronan Coughlin got a couple of goals last season, but I think if you, if you look at the chances he missed, he got a hell of a lot more. And like, The Pats made another good workhorse in the team. Like, the crying out for a goal for a scorer last season. We, we really struggled to score goals last year. And I think that's one thing we haven't addressed at the moment at all. But you have a goalkeeper. Yeah, we have a goalkeeper. Uh, <laughs> um, look, the, the oh, I don't know. I, I do not know. It's I, I would. I think I would prefer to get some, somebody in from the league, especially like like the guy coming in, uh, Jarrah of uh, Liverpool. You assume at the moment he's going to be the number one. It's the only option, really. You have him and uh, Keeley, uh, Josh Keeley, off the under 19, who um, came up to the, to the, the senior squad, which best of luck to the, to the kids. So we assume that the, the, the lad that came up for Liverpool is going to be the number one. It's risky. Like, it's, you could say, oh, well, he played. I, I was on the bench for Liverpool a couple of chances in the game. He goes, yeah, well, Alisson was injured, and so was Adrian. 
and you have like 12 players in the bench for the Champions League anyway so he's probably the only the eligible option as a goalkeeper and even by looking at obviously you look at the pop page and it's always it's nice to see it's always positive anytime you see a player coming in there's always good messages so I always tend to look at the other side I look at the Liverpool page and they had a little thing about him leaving and a lot of Liverpool fans had on me oh he's not, he's not great he's not up to standard he, he doesn't seem to be highly regarded by the Liverpool fans I know he's learned a lot he's, he's at the, the biggest club in the world at the moment success wise so um, he's obviously he's rubbing shoulders and learning off the people he's learning off but he's the Liverpool fans don't seem to be overly upset to see him leave alone and there wasn't an awful lot of comments about him on the, on, um, on the social media pages that when Liverpool put up the statement about him going. Well, you never know. We have to, Time will tell, I suppose, on that one. Uh, when you look at Waterford, new management, Kevin Sheedy, Mike Newell in there, um, not many players in, few players out. Is it exciting or is it not exciting? I can't make up my mind. Yeah, I, I, I think I have made any order, but I don't think it's that at all. I think they'll be ones that will be down there this season. Um, yeah, that's just, again, like what we're saying, like, we, I don't like to keep going about the past, it just, it just seems to happen. But like when Sam Bowen left the club, this come from party, like a lot of stuff, the stuff that he said was regarding um, just negativity uh, behind the scenes, whether it be with money or with the, the, uh, Lee Power once again. It's just the past couple of years are just something that's quite right at Waterford and look it'd be great to see how the new manager gets on. Um, again I haven't really decided of the days I haven't been keeping up with what he's doing in his managerial career. But um yeah, I think the the let go of a lot, lot of good players like Tyreek Wilson was probably one of the best players last season. Uh Cody Bourne, he's only there for a short time but We've seen him in the league before. He's a decent, uh, decent player. Like I said, Matty Smith. He seems to be uh, highly regarded as a, as a good young, young talent. So um, yeah, I, I think they've struggled this season. Waterford, they, they, they haven't really brought anybody in, and um, any sort of substance that's going to fill up them gaps. And yeah, I'd be worried about the Waterford fan because again, we're coming into another season where there seems to be some sort of negativity um, off the field, and that's all going to translate on the field if, if they're not going to be getting the right players in. Yeah, we uh, we we touched on Finn Harp, so we don't have to say too much more about Finn Harp. So we'll, we'll go on to the kind of the last two, which are uh, Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk. When you look at Shamrock Rovers, they win the league. They were gone unbeaten in the league. Uh, they played well. They were, they, they were thoroughly deserved to win the league last year. You look at the players that got in, Sean Gannon, Sean Hoare from Dundalk, their main rivals, uh, Danny Mandrew, who uh, could be anything if he wants to be anything. But they have let a lot of good players go. And you look at, okay, Greg Bulger, fair enough. But you look at uh, Aaron McAniff going to Hearts, of course, Jack Bourne gone to Cyprus. There's uh, Danny Lafferty's gone to Derry City. There's a, a lot of good players there. Are they are they? I can't see them being stronger but are they still on the same level or are they weaker for it? Look I think you can all, you'll always have to say they're a little bit weaker since losing someone like Zach Bourne like not only was he, was he their best player last season but for the past couple of years that he's been at the at this level he's been the best player in the league uh, head and shoulders in my opinion which is always good you can always make the argument for Michael Duffy or someone of that ilk to be near him but for me Jack Bourne was the while he was in at League of Ireland he was the best player by far so to say that the Jackie's strength would just be wrong. Like like you said, look Danny Mandrew, the guy like you said about uh, Walter coming into um 
the Sligo. Like I, I've dealt with with Danny. Uh, I think Danny Mandrew, if he just gets in the right frame of mind, does on a consistent basis, he could be looking at one of one of the best players in the league. Because on his day, there's no doubt on the guy's ability. He's absolutely fantastic. But there's always just seems to be this air of like negativity around his attitude. And any time I've talked to someone about Danny Mandrew, it's always the attitude, the attitude, the attitude. So that's something that will that will strictly need to change, and you need to start doing it on a more consistent basis. As Shamrock Rovers look, obviously that's a club that's um, it's used to dealing with big personalities, so it could be the best place for him at the moment. And even like Sean Gannon coming in, Sean Hoare, like you, you couldn't fault Shamrock Rovers' defence at all last season, could you? So there's a the two big players in the league and two very successful players. They're not going to just walk into that team. They're not going to just have a handy and, and take up the place off um, with Joey O'Brien, uh, Pico Lopez, even Liam Scales from the impressed last season. So it's going to be a tough battle for all three of the big signings that he made to, to really insert himself into the squad. Do you think Sean Howard take Scales' position? Scales is in probably first real season last year. Was oh, was okay. I, I couldn't say that he was outstanding last year. I think he was okay. I think he was learning his trade in the Premier Division. Would he go for someone like Sean Hoare now and not develop on scales? Or what would you do, do you think? what Would you like to see scales uh, progressing on? I'd prefer like the same progress, yeah. A lot of people like, a lot of people had your opinion last year. thought he'd been okay. I, I like him. I thought he impressed any time I've seen him play. So, you'd always like to see guys like Scales, you know, even for the Oilers that are like to see him play on a more regular basis and learn. And, and like he's, he's at the top level at the moment of, uh, of Irish domestic football. So, it'd be great for him to, to remain at the same eleven. But I wouldn't be surprised if he does go with Sean Hawke, to be honest. Like, guys, one of the best centre halves in the league still is. Still, like, still only young, young enough for a footballer, especially for a centre half. You know, he's in great physical condition, won it all at Dundalk. He's, he's He's very consistent as well. You never really see Sean Hall making too many mistakes. So I, like, while I'd like to see Liam Scales develop and, and, and keep his position, I think it'd be hard. I think that would be the one that you could you could sort of see Sean Hall taking over and like, forming a partnership with Lopez or even Grace, who, who, who's another very good centre-half. So, it, like, like you said, you couldn't really um, couldn't really criticise uh, Sean McCall was defending last season, but he's definitely added to that defence and he's made it much more of interest in the signing of, of Gannon and Hall. And does Danny Mandrew, when he goes out onto this pitch, does he have a lot of pressure on him? Are people going to be expecting him to step into Jack Bourne's feet and to drive this team on? I think he will now, especially with... Um, I thought, I thought it'd be interesting, you know, to see how him and McInef get on, you know, or we'll, we'll, won't even keep the other way with the team. But now McInef gone, I I think he's going to, Danny Mandrew's probably going to be the main man in midfield, isn't he? He's going to be the one they're going to be looking at for the creativity. And like you said, they probably even come in and replace Jack Bourne. There's always going to be pressure from a, from a player moving from Bohemians to Shamrock Rovers. It's never the, um, the easiest move uh, to do. Obviously, he's probably lucky that the fans uh, won't be there the fourth game. That would be a fun one to see the interception. But yeah, there will be a lot of pressure on him because, like you said, at Bohemians, when he showed it, when he was on form, he, he, he could show what he could do but I think there's still a lot of questions around him like you said the attitude and the consistency so this is a massive move from this is a, this is a huge move from and, and one that I'm not going to say he didn't deserve it but he, he didn't, didn't do that last season for Bohemian so there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders to, to step up now and become the main man and to show that he, he is really all that we think he is on a consistent level Well when you look at 
Dundalk, I suppose nearly on par with uh, Bohemians, the biggest change in their uh, player personnel, I suppose, when you look at, as you said, John Mountney, Sean Gannon, Sean Hoare, Dane Massey, uh, Aaron McCary, George Kelly, Gary Rogers retired, uh, Jimmy Cochran released, a released, Flores gone, Kolovich gone. That's a big chunk of that squad last uh, year and, and the last couple of years who have been very successful. The players that they have brought in are, well, they, they may be unknowns to us. Uh, what do we know about them? And they're expected to, to hit the ground running here. It's not going to be that easy. I can't. I just can't see it being that easy to hit the ground running in a brand new league with, you know, five or six new players from uh, outside the country. No, I I'd say I I even when my own team does I like I don't like when the lawyer incoming players are from people from outside outside of the league of Ireland. Now the problem there's probably some some cracking talent in there. I think there's a lot of hype around um, the, the centre half from Fair Ireland. Um, his name now. Anyway, there's a lot. Of, there's, there's, that was the one that when he came in, a lot of people there said he's really good. So, but yeah, it's just the track record of people coming in from outside of Ireland coming into the league isn't great. Like obviously, you can tell someone like Joey and or even Gary Craig. But away from that, you know, like you'll you, you be having a name a couple of, couple more off. But you know, the guys that come into the league um, in the past and they, they struggle to get used to the league, probably just struggle to get used to the, used to the country and a lot of them, you know, they're not in the big city so that's going to be a factor too and they just probably just struggle to, to settle overall. So, it's, it's a lot, you know, like I said, they got rid of a lot of players, that, a lot of reliable players that have been there for the, for the good few seasons now and they replaced them with a lot of unknowns. I'm not sure. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Like you said, the league's unpredictable but I wouldn't be throwing money on Dundalski to win the league this year because I, I'm never fully, like I said, I'm never fully confident when that then you know looking for a host of players coming in from from other leagues to, to hit the ground running and to get used to how things are done because it, it just doesn't happen that often. Yeah, it's not, it's not it's not that they're foreign players. It's just that the 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 amount in them they've got one, two, three, four. F- Five, I suppose, new players uh, from outside of the country, and you've got to—they've all got to hit the ground running. And as you said, different place, uh, not big cities. Now uh, again, uh, sunny is it Natasand, I think it is from uh, the Faroes. I'm not sure there's too many cities there, so he might be fine. But there's, yeah, there's, yeah. But I'm I'm excited to see new players. It's always good to see new players. I'm. I'm just. Oh, if, yeah, if I was a Dundalk supporter, I'd be thinking, okay, right. We, we've got these players in. I'm excited to see them. But are they going to knit? And are they going to knit quick enough that you know our league title challenge isn't gone by the wayside? You know, come the summer, even you know they've got to hit the ground running at some stage. Uh, but they have gone for. They look. They've gone for big and powerful. So it, it'll definitely be interesting. But then again, we were saying last year that maybe Dundalk are going to have to look outside because there's, they're not going to be able to do anything in Europe if they keep buying players or, or taking the players off the, the, the clubs around the country because there's only such a level that they can get to. Yeah, no, like definitely. Like, like you said, like it's, um, it is great to see them coming in. I don't have a big, uh, big race ahead of me saying they should be coming in. It's just, just like I said, the amount of them coming in, it, it would be difficult for them to, to all hit ground running and to perform to the level that young dog fans might expect. 
But yeah, like like when I won a when I won a two way with uh, and mixing them up with established players in the league is the way to go, definitely. Like it's like you're never gonna reach the higher level if you just keep swapping players with the likes of Waterford, Pats, Ligo, Shamrock, whoever in the league. So you do need to bring in some some foreign talent that has played at either even played at a higher level than the League of Ireland. So that's how you're gonna step up and improve. But yeah, look at you like just like I said, it'd be difficult. It will be difficult because these these are the only signings that you've met. Is is guys coming in. Okay, we'll uh, we'll we'll be talking next week about the first division. Once the fixtures come out for the first division, uh, we will be talking about the first division and the ins and outs of every uh, player so far. Uh, Nathan already looked at a couple of those in the start uh, with with the likes of Galway, um, but Nathan, the Premier Division fixtures come out on Monday. The first division are next Monday. We don't know who's going to be in this first division. We don't even know how many. We don't know if there's a Shamrock Rovers 2. We don't know if there's a Treaty United. We don't know if there's a Dublin Sea United, Dublin County, Limerick. We, we, don't, we, we really don't know what's, what's going on with that division. And there's, I believe that there's talk of the fixtures next season, which are coming out on Monday, having just nine teams in it with one idle and then maybe slipping one of these teams in. Yes, you're dead right. It's um, it's just a mess, isn't it? Just this should all be sorted out by now. Like the fixtures coming out on Monday, as you said, and it's again, yeah, it's again, a, like last year. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it, again. It's just the league coming in as an afterthought, and it's just, just horrible to see. Like this, like I said, this is all be done. This is embarrassing for people from the outside looking in that these things haven't been sorted out. Like I said, like like a nineteen official list on Monday with uh, one team being added. Um, you know, it's the idle team. If a ten team comes into it. Yeah, but then like see they're even saying if more than ten teams, if if even if all three of Shamrock Rovers two, three you know, in a Dublin County come in, they're gonna have to just do the fixture list all again. Just completely redo them. It's just just an absolute mess coming into the into the fourth division and it's just something you don't want to see. Again, like you said, it's just we said it plenty of times here but it's still just the um the FBI and complained about them and we I'm sure that there'll be more of that coming but it's just, you hate to see it just being an afterthought once again and yeah like these, these teams have applied a good while ago now and now they're being told they might have to wait till uh, the 23rd of February to find out if they've been successful or not this is what I can't I can't understand this this is not rocket science to to put a, a fixture list together once before in November they decided that uh, certain teams were getting the thumbs up to be able to uh they did apply and got the thumbs up to be able to participate in the first division so can they not progress that quick enough I don't understand what the delay is yes everyone has to go through the the kind of the the UEFA club licence and make sure to get through but that's every team anyhow so I really can't see where the, the slowdown in this is and this is really you know, again, the FAI gets so disappointing at times. You think they're taking a step forward, but they get so disappointing with simple, basic things like this. Yeah, no, I wouldn't agree. And it, like, we'd love to be here, having answers, wouldn't we? We'd love to be able to, to say why it's happening and what's going on. But even reading a statement today, and I have that. Like, uh, had over seven, an article talking about this, and they were saying, "Oh, like the FAI are looking to speed up the process." What, like you said, what's taking so long? This should all be well done and dusted by now. Like, I'm gonna, like, you can't even blame COVID anymore at this stage. 
like this is a lead man football organization in the country. This is going to be well done and dusted. And like I said, it's just embarrassing to what the eighteen club and it's just just such a letdown. It's just like I'm, I'm not even a fourth division fan. I don't support anybody in the fourth division, and it's just just a letdown as a League of Ireland fan in general. I and mean, it's just just a shame to see that. Once again, it's just, just being left as an afterthought. It really shouldn't be. This should all just be. We shouldn't even be having this conversation. We really shouldn't. Okay, we'll we'll delve more into that now next week when we have a, a good look at the fixtures and uh, there might be a little bit more information put out there. I wouldn't hold me breath now, but there there might be. There might oh. be. Finn Harps, Nathan. Their new stadium is it dead or not? Apparently it's not. Apparently, according to um, club director uh, Paul McLeon, I think I'm saying that name. Well, hopefully, I'm sorry, Paul. Uh, he's actually not saying this name. Paul said the project is still alive, which will be be good uh, for any kind of Harps fans to to hear. It's obviously look at everything that's going on with COVID. Everything's a bit up in the air, and he wasn't sure if uh, construction was going to be able to resume on the new stadium. But thankfully, uh, and let me read this off in notes because it's a long name. Uh, Minister of State for Gaeltox Affairs and Sports, uh, Mr. Jack Chambers, he was due to actually visit the, the site of the new stadium back on the 7th of January. But obviously due to COVID-19, that visit had to be cancelled, so then they're looking to reschedule that visit. But the club has been in constant contact with uh, Minister Chambers and other um, other offices and other departments, uh, along with the FAI chief executive, uh, Jonathan Hill. And they've also got the thumbs up from Sport Ireland boss, uh, John Tracy, who is also he's another person that's given his backing towards the um, the new stadium, which is looking to be called the, at the moment the Sunny Golf Stadium. So it's obviously good to see. It'd be, it'd be a massive benefit to uh, to Finn Harris as a whole, not only the senior side, but the underage squad. They have a emerging underage division there up in Finn Harris. So that'll do them a lot of good. And they're also looking to, to make a whole community team. They're going to bring in like. Uh, school boys, school girls, things of that nature. But it's just, it's, it's all waiting on, there's still a lot of hurdles obviously get over that waiting on. Um, the big one is waiting on phones to be to get given the green light. Like it's going to cost 6.5 million uh, to, to do this, do up this new stadium that, that you'd be badly need in fairness. And 70% of that is going to be funded by the state. So they're still waiting on that 70% of them phones to, to be released. So they're still waiting on the green light, which is a massive pain. If the stadium is to go ahead, uh, to go ahead, sorry. So yeah, like I said, the body needed to be able to finish the film park, but it will tell you it's in desperate need of an upgrade. And it's, it's a great, great town, Bally Buffet. So it'd be great to see it and go through, and it'd be great to see it happen because it's um, I think you said it's going to be five thousand four hundred seat stadium. It's not a massive stadium for the League of Ireland. And boy, looking even looking at some of the the computerized images, it, it looks like it's going to be an absolute beauty. Yeah, and uh, you know how I feel about this, Nathan. The Government should be throwing money at the League of Ireland for their, the the infrastructure for the, the stadiums around the country. There's been so much money pumped into every other sport, as I said to you before about the the GAA. They always seem to get their 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 extra fix, and and there should be no the football is the the, the big, biggest biggest participated sport in the country. There's no reason why they're throwing money left, right, and centre at all sorts of nonsense. They should be putting it into the infrastructure of with these clubs, build something up and build something that the country can be proud of. So yeah, 100%. Let's hope that goes through for Finn Harps. Now let's have a quick look at the Ireland Under 21s qualification group that got announced a few days ago. Nathan, who have they got? Yeah, so in Ireland have been drawn at the group F along with Italy, Sweden, Bosnia Herzegovina, 
Montenegro and Luxembourg. Obviously, we, we remember back in the um, last year for the 2021 qualifying groups, we're in the same group with Italy, Sweden and Luxembourg. So, familiar foes once again. But we beat Sweden and Luxembourg twice, but we and we drew once with Italy and we got beaten by Italy in that qualifying group. That unfortunately, we wasn't successful. But yeah, it's a lot of similar clubs, uh, sorry, a lot of sim- similar uh, countries. So it's a tough group. It really is a tough group. Like Ireland, um, as you said, failed to struggle for uh, the 2021 uh, European competition. So I think we, once again, we'll be looking at. Um, they need to be beaten Sweden again. They need to be beaten Luxembourg and the Bosnians and the Montenegros. But um, they'll also need to take them the point off Italy because the, the, that defeat to Italy was was pretty damaging in the in the last campaign, along with two defeats to Iceland. So yeah, it's a tough group on paper. So it'll be interesting to see how they got on, won't it? Yeah, um, they have on the third of September Bosnia away. Then they have a double header between September and October, home and away against uh, Luxembourg. And then it's Montenegro in October. So they could very well start off flying. Um, if they don't, then they could be in trouble. So they're the games that they really need to start to, to kick off. And they get something out in Bosnia and you're nearly looking at them getting maximum point in the next three to have a good chance then. Of course, then Italy and Sweden then are in November, which uh, are, are always going to be big games. Um, I think what we'll do this year, and we were discussing this, we had the Republic of Ireland under the football podcast this year, it just feels more, it feels right to have them under the League of Ireland podcast. So this year, the the uh, Republic of Ireland games under 21s, uh, senior team, etc. I think we'll be having them under our League of Ireland podcast and I'm really looking forward to that. And that that, that is rolling around fairly quickly. That won't take too long uh, to see Stephen Kenny's men in World Cup qualification games uh, come March. Now, Nathan, fans questions. We do, yeah. This obviously is something that we started to do in our, our fourth season of our podcast, and I think it went pretty well, didn't it? We always it sort of gave us some spirited uh, conversation topics, and it, it sort of like thought-provoking uh, interest. So yeah, it's good to have it back. Uh, we just a one to start off, um, and it's just actually it's just a random bit. This was sent to me uh, over LinkedIn, which is strange in itself, but it was sent to me like in the middle of December. <laughs> it's bizarre like you, you go some weeks were you, co- were you comatose for the whole of December oh, that was for different reasons though like that was just Christmas <laughs> and I, I probably hound a lot of people without even knowing just giving a few questions um, but no fair play this was sent in by Connor Bork uh, even though it was sent in in the middle of December Connor we still appreciate it mate and we're still going to use it because you know we'll take anything we can get at the minute uh, so Connor it's actually this is not only a good one, but one that you could be here all day, really. You could go through every team and give an answer. But kind of want to know what young player do you think will have that breakout season this season? And if you don't mind, I have, I'll take the reins to start off. Um, like I said, there's a lot, isn't there? There's a lot. Like, look at someone that even just off the top of my head. Like, I didn't even want to research this too much because I would have just been. Killing myself trying trying to come up with trying to come up with, up with a solid answer. Um, Dawson Devoy is obviously the one that came straight to mind. Uh, Bohemian midfielder. Um, he started he started planting himself into the first team last year. But I, I think I think for Dawson Devoy this season is the one where you can really see him step up and become just an integral part of that starting eleven and to really show himself to be uh, one of the, one of the better players uh, in the league. Like only a very young lad, so. It's, it's, 
still on the early days and you don't need to put too much pressure. But I always like to sort of give these answers, you know, with the first one comes to your mind. Sometimes you do have to think about it, but sometimes if someone comes to your mind, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's a good one there. And um, so yes, Dawson Devoy would be the one for me. And um, I think you can add him in, someone like Noel Morahan, who's probably a bit of a cop out answer. Like he was one of Troy of all was key players last season. But again, really impressed. Um, yeah, they were the two for me, especially Dawson Devoy. I'm kind of seeing that lad play last year. He, he, he's just he's absolutely an excellent player. Like so, very creative. He's very physical too, you know. Like, he's not afraid of winning the ball, he wins it in key areas. Very calm under pressure, a lot of good attributes for a young man to have, and he's only going to improve with age and with development. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, as you, you know, when you look at the likes of Brandon Kavanagh and um, oh, Aaron McCabe, and there's, there's a whole load of young players that have, uh, I suppose, have great potential. Uh, and we've we've had a lot of our players who are at that young age and you can see really good potential get taken away to across the water. Now with the whole Brexit thing, it's going to be completely different now. So you might actually see a lot more of the, the, the youth players uh, coming through for a, a few more seasons than they would have previously because I don't think the, the, the English clubs are going to jump as quick as they used to jump. So that's going to be a, a very interesting one to see this season. Okay, uh, Nathan... You wanted to finish off with a quick tribute to a Derry City legend. Yeah, I did. I just when I woke this morning, one of the first things that I noticed on the uh, feed was that it was um, the fifth year anniversary since the passing of uh, Derry City uh, legendary striker uh, Max Farron. Obviously, look, he played for other clubs, played for like the Monaghan, Finn Harps, I think it's Glen. Glen Avon was it Glen Avon up in Northern Ireland I should probably check that before I came on but anyways yeah, he's, he's obviously Mark is, is more is known for his time at, uh, at Derry City unfortunately uh, four years ago passed away due to cancer at a young age of 43 it's definitely um, yeah, I cannot agree without even something going out of saying it's far too young and then obviously like a year later even Derry City um, they, they lost a captain uh, Ryan McBride so difficult time for the club and difficult time for the league but I just thought it would be a nice way to finish up our, our first episode of, um, of of our second season. Just remembering um, the legendary Derry City player and Mark Farron. Just round off some of his uh, achievements, if you don't mind. He won a uh, one fourth division title, two FAI Cups and five League Cups all with Derry City. He was the Premier Division top goal scorer in 2008 with 16 goals and the first division top goal scorer in 2010 with 18 goals. Overall, he played 209 games uh, for Derry City and scored 114 goals in the process. And even as he's passing, you know, like still, you go up to Derry City and you can still see how beloved he is. And many people talk about him, not only him, but uh, Matt Royer too, that they're really an integral part and they'll never be forgotten. And they'll always be loved by Derry City fans. And there's a nice gesture by Derry City after he's passing and the notorious is number 18 jersey. So, Definitely a man that's still beloved and definitely a man that's still missed up by all of us every city. And I just thought it'd be a poignant little, just a little way to finish up, you know, just remembering um, one of the greatest of the football. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't put it any better. Um, top player and uh, yeah, is, is will never be forgotten. Nathan. Thanks very much for that. We'll be back again next week. Uh, all things League of Ireland. We'll have a, a stronger look at the first division. And uh, I'm sure now at this stage, uh, the news is, is tunnelling through uh, week after week with new players coming in. All the teams back in pre-season training. So uh, we're delighted to be back.
Talk to you next week.